It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. So I suppose, Connor, it's, it's, it's probably best to start off with where we are now with the GEA because we've done our best of, we've done our Woolly Awards. And like, I mean, there's no need for All-Stars anymore. That's been done. We've parked 2020 and now we're in 2021. So the situation is right now, from an inter-county point of view, is that there's a ban on training in January. Um, it was supposed to be a ban on training up until the 15th of January and that's been put back two weeks. So there's a bit of talk now whether the National Leagues will be put back um, a couple of weeks or not. That's the first little bit of talk. There's also talk about the leagues potentially being scrapped. Now, thankfully, that is only talk amongst county board treasurers who, who are looking at their books and saying we have no money for, for, for the National Leagues. And they have, you know, it's a fair enough argument. I see Michael Dignan is questioning the, the viability of, of it um, in, the, in the Daily Mail um, as well, you know, and he's he's a county board chairman. The GEA is projecting a loss of 17 million for 2021 as further cuts to revenue distributions have been forecast. Um, treasurers um, heard that there'll be no money. Um, we're not going to get any money for the league. It'll be behind closed doors again. And usually the GEA give county boards an operating grant of 80,000. Um, that's what it got in 2020 anyway. That's not going to be paid. So, like, I mean, there is, geez, I, I don't want to think of this reality, Connor, and not having GEA until feckin' May. But the treasurers say there's no money. And if there's no money, you can't pay the players' expenses. So it's hard to know what to do. Yeah, I, I suppose when there's a will, there's a way, Willie. Did I see you mentioned something about um, setting up GoFundMe pages for for fans to maybe fund expenses for inter-county players? We we might be looking at that the way the, the way things are going because... Uh, I just I saw I saw what um, the the proposal maybe or, or the suggestion that um, 
the leagues the leagues might be cancelled you know or they might have to be cancelled and i my initial thought was to think that geez that's a bit drastic and then i i was reading what michael dignan had to say and he was just you know he was he was thinking he was talking about you know awfully potentially having to go down to play Kerry, for example in you know maybe 40 cars are going to have to go down because you know they can't travel together in buses and stuff like that and that's 40 cars traveling down to a game where there's going to be no fans and no fans paying in to kind of make up the revenue that you need to kind of to fund the operation and he said that for the league and this is michael dygdon obviously this is just awfully but he said for the league, they're looking at about a quarter of a million alone for Offaly. And that's on top of a 260,000 debt already, I think. So, like, it's, we might say that, like, you know, that's what the treasurers are saying. But when you are when you look at those figures and, and when you look at the current climate we're, we're, we're in, it's looking um, it's looking a bit bleak. Now, this is this is mid-January. Like, I, I just think that everything, like, the, the, the situation as a whole will start to become a bit clearer maybe towards the end of January when the, when the initial level five measures are um, come to an end, but uh, but right now it's looking it's look, looking a bit li- little bit worrying for sure. Yeah, definitely. It'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, at the end of January because we have two months for things to improve. Now I don't think it's going to improve to the extent that you know fans will be able to go to games. I think that's a realistic possibility when enough people are vaccinated um, for the summer so the GEA might get some sort of revenue stream back going. But I do, like the GoFundMe pages, I was tweeting about that. Like I, I, I don't see why county boards don't do that because you have to remember... You know these G- these intercounty games on TV. Like you know, they're they're a great distraction for people. It's something to look forward to at the weekend. It's something to watch on television at the weekend, and you know it keeps our season going. So if they set up GoFundMe pages, I think the the GEA public, who are brilliant by the way at helping people out when they need um, help, so why not help out the GEA? You know, it gives everybody so much. It's in a very very sticky position considering no income came in last year. County boards are on their knees. Why can't the 50,000 people in Leash give an average of five euros each and there's your 250 grand and get out the league, you know, get out the other side of the league and then hopefully come the summer when, you know, let's be honest, when the old people, vulnerable people and anyone that needs it, the vaccine gets the vaccine. Well, then things surely will start opening back up. Like, I mean, the flu doesn't shut the country down because the people that need the vaccine get it and we just continue on with it, you know? Yeah, yeah, you you raised something there about like say so the with with the way that the season is structured this year, uh, and with the with the intercounty coming first, I suppose that that kind of removes the possibility of you know if the inter if there was the other way around, for example, that intercounty was later on in the year, you might have fans coming back towards late summer, um, early autumn, and then you know that might contribute to revenue. But the problem with that is is that then there'd be no space for the club season at all because the club season can't resume until Ireland is in level two. So, and it, it, like Ireland isn't going to be in level two for a long time by, by the looks of things. So, what? We'll be in level two by the summer, surely to God. When all the vulnerable. Summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah no, by the summer, Willie. Yeah, by the summer. I mean that. I mean that if we were to flip it the other way around and then you're looking at playing the club earlier in the county. Ireland ah, no, that's not, yeah, that's not, that's not on the cards though. That's like, that's yeah, the yeah, Exactly. But just, just in terms of how, how the GA might, might generate revenue from inter-county because I was reading that the treasurers were a bit pissed off that they weren't consulted about the the format of the season. But the reality is, is that if it was the other way around, well, then club football couldn't go on 
Williamford County is supposed to go on this year. You know, this year. Yeah, they're not elite. Yeah, no, they're not, not elite. Another bit of news is Fitzgibbon and Sigerson Cup has been scrapped. That's no surprise. Like, students aren't in college. So, like, I mean, how would they even prepare for that? So, I don't think they're even complaining. Everybody understands that, you know, the 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 situation at the moment is not going to allow um, that to happen. Of course, teams aren't supposed to be training, Connor. like I said. But there's two been caught out red-handed. Um, you know, Cork are training on the beach in Yall. Uh, down have been training in a CBS. So, like, I mean, the GEA is going to investigate this, whether they have any grounds to punish um, Cork and Down. It's hard to know because they're obviously not training on GEA grounds. They're a group of 30 people going to a beach and training. They're getting around it, Connor. I just, for the, for the life of me, even like I'm, I'm one that complains about lockdowns. I, don't, I think it's way too excessive on society. But at the same time, it's January. There's not much to do anyway. The evenings are dark. You know, I'm I'm more than happy to to kind of not complain about a lockdown in January. Why don't these lads just sit down, relax, take January off and get back training in February? Why are they always trying to find a way of getting around and train, you know, trying to train? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't understand it, to be honest. I, I just thought it looked absolutely terrible and it was, it was needless. And, you know, like I just like Ronald McCarthy was talking about it as well. And he said that they're hugely conscious of their responsibilities as players and, and they've been following the COVID pro- protocols in particular during this difficult period. And while, listen, you could, you could kind of, you could question the kind of um, the, the legalities and the technicalities and stuff like that. But the reality is, is that at the end of December, when like we're, we're, when Ireland is in crisis, basically there was 30 Cork footballers on a public beach doing war drills. And I just, you know, I just, the, the, the optics of that looks terrible. And yeah. like, not only that, as I, you know, while I'm talking about being able to question the technicalities, the reality is, is that the GA had de- decreed at that point that inter-county teams aren't allowed to train. So again, it just, to me, it speaks to this attitude where like there's, there's barely ever been any respect for kind of GA regulations around training. Do you know what I mean? It was like, yeah. you know, oh, we, we'll find a way to get around it. And they, and they found a way to get around it there. And even looking at the down case as well, they, the PS and I investigated that, but they were let off because they were elite. But it's just, why the need for it? Do you know, like I, I heard the chairman say that they'd been trying to do stuff remotely and at, but like they had great difficulty. But I was thinking, well, sure, like the GA have told you you're not allowed to train collectively. So surely the only thing you should be doing is handing out individual programs to players. And really, how hard is that to do remotely? How hard is that to do may, either make individual calls or do a Zoom session and say, this is what you have to be looking after yourselves, lads, over the coming weeks, rather than having to gather together in another episode that just reflects terribly on them and 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 flex you know flex hardly on the on down on, on the players and management yeah. stuff like that. So I think yeah. Ronan McCarthy said it was a bonding session. Like I mean, that would be okay if they weren't together for the last six months or something. Like they were only together in the Munster final, what not not much more than a month ago. So I don't know why they need to come back. And it's just the same attitude that more is better in the GA. You have to be slogging. You have to be you know doing all that training. Like Garod Hegarty got Player of the Month, and he was talking about taking a seven week break. Um, during the March lockdown and how, you know, that benefited him. Mm. He wasn't he wasn't sure if he should do that. And he rang Caroline Curid, who said, Jesus, if you're given a break, take the bloody break. What is right? You know, and he was wondering, would this work? And look how it worked for him. Like you're, if you're being given January off, take January, like limber up, stretch, do a little bit, 
but don't go don't go absolutely mad now it's actually interesting because the limerick strength and conditioning um coach was on before christmas saying that they concentrated a lot on speed work during that lockdown yeah. so maybe it was just a little bit of speed work road Hegarty, but they weren't being flogged with drills on a beach army drills on a beach anyways and i think we need to get away from that if the league is going to be put back into two weeks in february at the start of february you're going to have a six-week lead into that so like i mean six weeks how are you not going to get your squad fitted that's the i don't know it's just it, it's the same old attitude it's like they tell us not to train they're not training so now we'll get one up on them by training whereas you might not be getting one up on them at all you might have the lads flogged for instead of six weeks ten weeks and they might be pissed off going into the league and you know um their body's aching so it's hard to know and the worst thing about that Willie as well is that when when other counties or when other teams hear of that you hear you hear this at club level as well is that like you know oh team down the road is doing this so we better you know we're not we're not doing anything already we better get back to you know, doing a little bit purely because you heard that some other do- team was doing it as opposed to the benefit that it's going to give to you yourself, you know. And it, we're like, we're gone past today when, when Garoth Hegarty is talking there about having January off. Like, he's not taking January completely off. Like, if we're gone past today where inter-county players, you know, obviously can't do it this year, where they take an entire winter and they, you know, they might have a few pints and not, not mind their diet and stuff like that. Inter-county players don't do that anymore. I'm sure Garoth Hegarty is doing his own thing, but he's just not doing it to the you know, the the levels that he might have been doing, you know, when, when Limerick are, are, are training in full swing during the year. So, as you said, with, with the individual programmes and individual kind of minding of themselves that inter-county players are doing, you'd like to think that the six-week lead-in will be plenty, especially when you consider that it's the same across the board. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it should it should be, it should um, be. across the board. Yeah, it was last March and a uh, bit of April. He did the he took the break last the last lockdown rather yeah. than rather than this one. So other news this week is that Brian Cody. Well, it's not it's not surprising news really. Uh, Brian Cody was ratified by, by the Kilkenny County Board for a twenty third successive year. Um, it looks like the first time since he took over. It might not be a universally popular decision. Um, first, there was a piece in the Examiner which spoke about rumblings amongst the panel. And then we had Richie Power Sr. saying um, a new face is needed in the Examiner as well this week. So to talk about this, our own Owen Larkin uh, joins us on the line. Um, Owen, this is very Uncle Kenny-like. Yeah, I suppose it is. And, you know, before it was ratified, you know, there was rumours going around that there was a few players, I suppose, wanted to change. And, and then... The, the rumor mill started going again that a club in Kilkenny was going to um, was going to propose a change. So, um, like you said, it's it's kind of unlikely. Kenny is kind of a foregone conclusion over the last twenty three seasons that Brian would be ratified without any um, any kind of blips. But um, as we've seen during the week, things are starting to, to starting to change slightly. Yeah, so it, it actually reminds me in the close season, you know, something that would be going on in Galway rather than Kilkenny, <laughs> rather than Kilkenny. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose it's associated with, with other counties, I suppose, because Brian has been there so long and has been so successful. So thankfully, we haven't had that here before in Kilkenny and um, hopefully we might um, we might go a couple of steps further next year and, and there might be no debate at all then again next year. But look... Um, I suppose it's open for debate. Uh, Twenty-three seasons, obviously, is is going to be a long time at the helm. But uh, I'd still argue that maybe with the players that available to to Brian at the moment, he's kind of getting the best out of them. And you know, I, I'd I'd be wary to change. I suppose sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Well, here's the thing. Like, I mean, and that argument is often uh, made in counties all over, you know, the country. But the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. The devil you don't 
there's 95% chance that's Henry Shefflin, who's just coming off the back of winning two club All-Irelands, who's a great relationship with TJ Reid, Colin Fenley and these lads. So Kilkenny don't really have that devil you don't worry. Well, I suppose th- this year probably wouldn't have been Henry because, you know, he's um, he's already committed to go to Thomastown uh, before this ever came out. So unless he was going to let Thomastown down after giving them his word and, and, and that kind of stuff, you know, I'd find it hard to see it was going to be Henry. Uh, Eddie Brennan has gone to Kula, so he was probably out of running as well. So, you know, you're, you're kind of thinking outside the box then um, as to who it was going to be. And, you know, I know the club that were involved in in the rumour mill going around, they came out and said that it was false accusations. They, didn't, they weren't going to put anything in place. So, like, if you look outside of Eddie Brennan and Henry Shefflin, who are you going to put in there? You know, I, fi- I find it very hard to, to see someone... You know, Baron maybe go outside the county, which I don't think Kenny would have done. Yeah. So, were you surprised at Richie Power going public saying that the, he 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 felt that a new voice, a new face, um, you know, was needed? Yeah. Well, look, you know, he has a he has a he has an argument when you when you read the piece, he has an argument there as well, and he he spoke about his own time with with Carrick Shock. He probably stayed a, a couple of seasons too long, but like I suppose everybody is t- is entitled to their opinion, and you know. His opinion is a fresh face and a fresh change is needed. But like as I said before, I find it hard to believe that you know Kilkenny would have got to an All Ireland final last year, an All Ireland semi final with you know with the way the players were playing and with the players at their disposal. Um, I think probably Kilkenny have overachieved over the last couple of years. Yeah, so maybe, see, I suppose that that is the point. They are Leinster champions, and they beat Limerick last year. So that's obviously in Brian Cody's favour. You know, another what wouldn't be in his favour is the collapse against Dublin, the collapse against Waterford. You know, like I mean, the P- PM O'Sullivan piece. He, I think he's a Ballyhill uh, man. Um, he he's talking about most of the current players are known to be frustrated about the lack of pre-match analysis and consequence difficulties when an alternative plan is required for stretches of games. Now, he's saying most of the current players. Yeah, I'd say most of the older players probably. But look, I, I have been involved with Brian Cody, you know, for 12 years. And like, I'm gone out of the scene now, maybe what, four or five years. But like, we, we did do, you know, video analysis and all that kind of stuff. And I know there's there's two twins that were involved with Carol IT a couple of years ago. And, and they don't, don't do a lot of work with video analysis and things like that on teams coming up. Like it has, he he is into it to a certain extent, but he, he wants the fundament, fundamental stuff and the basics right first. And then we'll go into that. But like, you know, it's hard to, I'd say it's probably a couple of the older lads probably frustrated with their own performances maybe so than bring Cody. Right. Okay. Like, I mean, if it, if it is the older players, you know, that'd be fair enough. I, I, I do think that some players look at other counties and they might get a little bit of, a little bit jealous. Like, look at Limerick, for example, and they have a very, very obvious game plan and Canark coaches it really well. And, you know, like, I mean, Kilkenny have moved on maybe from the style you would have played under, but they, they mix up a short game, but there's no kind of obvious game plan there. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, but sometimes the players have to take on their ga- the game plan itself. Like, you know, you could have three or four game plans in place and you go out into, onto match day and all the game plans go out the window. So sometimes players have to take responsibility for that as well. You know, things change in games that players have to adapt and that kind of stuff. And, you know, a manager, like in Hurling and GA, 
you know, now and, and into the future, managers are coming become uh, more scrutinised and things like that. But players don't get the same scru- scrutiny as as managers do. Along with you know, as we see in the Premiership, you know, if 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 uh, teams are not winning games, it's usually the manager that goes, and and players don't have any responsibility whatsoever. So, you know, I'd argue the point where, you know, if if things are going against uh, Kilkenny. You know, it's up to the players to stand up. and There's only so much Brian Cody and his management team can do. Yeah, but like, I mean, here's, for example, like, do you mean a puck-out strategy, for example? And, you know, like, against Waterford, they kind of continued on doing the same thing and Jack Fagan was cleaning up. And, you know, um, like, in the, in his backroom team, he has uh, McGarry, who, who would have, I presume he's the goalkeeping coach. And I suppose when he played hurling, I, I sometimes I look at hurling coaches or goalkeeping coaches and I think well how would they too, know too much about the strategies when the strategy back then was just to lump it down you know what I mean lump it down the field like a lot, a lot of his coaches are players that he managed himself who would be on the same train of thought as Brian yeah but I, I, I'm sure James McGarry and Marin Comfort have their own views as well on the way things should go and like Kilkenny against Waterford you know they did kind of they did mix it up a bit with the puckouts. Oh, Murphy went short with a couple, you know, unlike him, I suppose, a couple of bad ones. Um, and he, he went long then and, you know, hit midfield a couple of times. But, like, ultimately, if if your players out the field are not winning, or winning the ball, you know, there's very little a management team or a goalkeeper or a goalkeeping coach can do. You can have all the drills in the world, and but if things are going wrong, that's where the players need to step up and say, right, I just need to win one ball here, win a free, break the momentum, and we'll, we'll regroup and go again. And that doesn't seem to be, you know, there doesn't seem to be really any leaders in that team. You know, maybe Baron TJ Reid. But, like, Kilkenny need other lads to step up. TJ Reid can't win games on his own forever. And, you know, if he's held, which he's going to be, he's going to be a mark man, um, you know, has been for over the last number of years and is going to be into the, into the future. So it's really up to other players to, to stand up and say, right, if TJ is held here, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to win my ball, my position, my ball. And, you know, we'll regroup, get going again and, and push on. And, you know, that, that seems to be missing at the moment, Kenny. Yeah, like, I mean, it's it's a strange one, really. Like, I mean, you mentioned the two fellas from Carlo that did the pre-match analysis. Like, would Brian share that? Would would they just do the bit of analysis and then Brian would take over on it? Or would Brian not be comfortable kind of doing that at all? No, what, what used to happen was the two girls used to come in, they used to look back over games, they'd send out a couple of um, WhatsApp messages or, or things like that to different players of of their kind of pieces that they had pulled pulled aside, and then they do an overall team analysis kind of thing, and and there would be you know an hour or two maybe given to uh, the te- the video analysis. Then the girls would go through their pieces, and Brian would have his talk. But Brian would always open it to the floor to say, to say to the players, you know, what do you think it is? How could we improve on that? So like I would I would argue the point that. You know, there's there's very little video analysis or game plans um, put in place by brain because I've seen it myself firsthand, and I'm sure, you know, as as time has gone on, he's probably bought into it that bit more as well because you know he does maybe he's a bit slow to go at the times, but he does eventually get there. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm sure the two girls are doing great work still, and you know, I can't imagine brain would. Be, be laying the law down and, and say, you know, players are not getting any input into it because, you know, definitely in my time, we definitely did get an input into it. 
The, is there is there an element of this where players and I remember this from my time you always think the other count maybe you wouldn't because you were with it so bloody much but you always thought other counties were doing stuff better than ye I don't know they always had some sort of expertise or oh he's with them and he might not be doing you know that much with them at all yeah well that, well that's the other side of it you know you, you always kind of you always kind of see what's put out in the media you know Paul Kinnerk with Limerick he, he must be doing great work they're, they're winning all Ireland but you have to remember as well Garrod Hagerty is a monster in the air, able to win his own ball. Uh, Tom Morrissey is the same. You know, Tom Morrissey and Garrod Hagerty, take those two out of Limerick and what do you have? You know, you'd have a good team, but you wouldn't have the, t- the Limerick team uh, that, that won the All-Ireland. Like, I think they got 10 or 11 points from playing the All-Ireland final between the two of them. Like, that's a phenomenal thing, and mostly from winning their own ball. You know, what we, what our Kenny team were good at, winning their own ball and you know, dominating the air. And they're very good at it as well. So, like, the fundamentals are still there. I know they, they, they play a short game and they play a nice game as well. But when it comes down to it, when they need to dig in and win hardball, they're well able to do it as well. Yeah. One thing that was in the PM O'Sullivan article, which was probably the most damning, was that it was stale, a drag and joyless. Like, geez, that's some that's something to say. Yeah, it is. And I go back to the point where if it's like that for players... You know, a player shouldn't be in there because he's not he's not enjoying it. I can't I can't comment on that because I'm not in there at the moment. I, I don't see what's going on. But um, like, if that is the case, well, you know, something needs to change. Whether that be the manager or whether the players involved need to step away for a year or and take time out because that's definitely not a good um, a good environment to be in in life in general, but in sporting terms. Definitely, you know, you couldn't see any success coming from that. Yeah, but on the basis of this year, you'd say Walter Walsh, Colin Fenley, and Killian Buckley have gone stale. Like, is that is that their fault, or are they not being, in, you know, maybe inspired? Yeah, well, look, I'd say it's a bit of both. Maybe, um, you know, Walter Welsh didn't didn't have a good good year. Colin Fenley didn't have a good year. Albeit, like, if you watch Colin Fenley in club games. You know, he's on, he's nearly unstoppable in club games, and you know yeah. he just can't seem to carry that kind of form uh, into the county scene. Killian Buckley, I think, to a, a lesser degree, is probably still carrying an injury. I, I don't think he's fit enough to be uh, to be playing inter county at the moment. Whether whether that's going to be an ongoing pro- process or not, I don't know. Um, so look, you know, the questions are there, and, and they need to be answered one way or another. Whether it's you know, well, look, Brian is there for another year now, so we'll wait and see. I, I heard rumblings uh, the other day, maybe that Colin Finley is thinking of packing it in as well. So um, we'll have to wait and see on that one. But like Colin would definitely be a loss to the team if if he if he didn't commit to a, to another season. Yeah. Do you think like I mean, DJ has left the backroom team. Like I mean, Niall Corcoran went to Wexford. Do you think some someone of Niall Corcoran's ilk from a different county, from a different style of hurling? You know, would be more beneficial, you know, than than a player that would have played under under Brian before. Yeah, maybe, but I couldn't see Brian bringing somebody in like that. No, uh, you know, he's he's very into kind of taking lads in that he knows and 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 he knows that they know about the game and things like that. And like I couldn't see him bringing in anyone from the outside. Just like I couldn't see anybody from Kilkenny man- or from the outside managing Kilkenny if Brian if Brian did go, uh, it's just I don't know what it is. It's just the way Kilkenny Kilkenny work, and I think they'll you know when Brian eventually does pack it in, I think they'll they'll get someone from inside the county again because I think they believe that 
you know, there is enough there is enough quality managers and quality coaches in Kenny to, to bring the team forward. Yeah. And like, I mean, you mentioned the two obvious ones are Eddie and Henry. Like they are they are the two obvious ones. And it, it is interesting that it's it's been I think it was in the Sunday Times said that Henry was asked in but refused. And I'd be surprised if Eddie was never asked in as well. They obviously are waiting around, you know, because I suppose when you go in under Brian, number one, you'll be limited in what you can do because you're not the manager. And number two, these lads probably want to be managers. Yeah, absolutely. But like I'd say uh, probably uh, I think Henry was asked in and, and refused in it. I'd say probably towards the end of Henry's playing career, probably soured him a bit with Brian. So, um, so I don't think they, I don't think they'd be on the same same wavelength. And I'd say Henry is probably waiting until Brian packs it in, so he he can be manager. And but like I said, if this had to come out before before Henry uh, committed to Thomastown, we could be we could be talking talking very differently, and yeah. in a couple of clubs and, and uh, a couple of lads around the place wanting change and maybe wanted Henry to step into the step into the play. And I'd say, look, to be honest about it, I'd say that's what's what's waiting down the road, either Eddie, Eddie or Henry, and um, but like things will have to be. It can't just be a snap decision. Things will have to be put in place, you know, probably early after the all Ireland final or early after the season has ended. Yeah, because, like, I mean, you have to say Bally Hale were gone stale until um, Henry took over and he gave them that freshness. They, they'd gone out of the picture, really, for all Ireland titles. And, you know, then, then he won two in a row with them. Yeah, got out of the picture for all Ireland titles, but they were still fairly, um, they were still fairly hot favourites down in Kilkenny for county titles, uh, albeit they probably. Missed one or two um, during the years, but like when you look at why Henry took over, you know, and the team in Ballyhale, like they're, they're an unbelievable team, an unbelievable club team, and yeah, you know, with, with the likes of TJ and Colin and, and Richie Reid, and then they had Owen Cody coming up as well, you know, they're unbelievable hurlers, and they're they're just a force to be reckoned with. But like all great teams, you know, TJ is probably coming. Uh, he's at the wrong side of 30 Colin is the same you know Richie Reid is a bit younger and Owen Cody is a bit younger but like things change very quickly um, you know with players getting older and the hunger kind of dies and things like that so um, but like like I say Henry came into a good team as well and it'd be interesting to see now if Henry did come into this Kilkenny team you know I wouldn't say we're struggling but you know probably not the, the force of old and um, be interesting to see you know what kind of progress to be made if he does if he does eventually come in you you mentioned henry leaving kind of cody was completely ruthless with henry even though a legend he was he was ruthless with tommy walsh as well um yourself and jj delaney or two i remember he left kind of before he got a chance to be ruthless which yeah. he you kind of left on your own terms but the two the two big ones were tommy and and Henry and look he had he had to be ruthless and that's a quality of Cody here's a question for you if Brian Cody was the Kilkenny County chairman would he give Brian Cody would he have given Brian Cody another year this year uh, I think he would um, I think he would uh, be just for the fact that I think like I said I think he's after overachieving with the with the team he has available to him and the way that they're playing um, in saying that you know, I think when he does step aside, he might be he might be a good he might be a good candidate for the chairman because you know when we had Nate Quinn there, all the underage structures were in place, the development squads were in place, and I think that's probably 
that has slipped over the last number of years and you know we're probably paying the price for that now um, at the moment but I could, yeah because I've looked at that right so they've only won minor all Ireland in the last 10 years they haven't won an under 21 or ye haven't won an under 21 since 2008 and then I, I think you have a new coaching officer um, who will be in uh, who's in this year but then I was looking at St. Kieran's as an example and they've won five of the last six all Ireland schools so what's happening these players are they are these St. Kieran's players from Tip and from Carlo and from Leash and different counties that you're not getting a whack out of Kieran's continued dominance. Ah, yeah. Look, there'd, there'd be a few from Tip and Carlo and that kind of thing, but the majority of them would be from Kilkenny, and I think they're just not being brought through in the way that they were probably eight or ten years ago, and you know they're slipping by the wayside. And the other side of it is, you know, intercounty hurling is is nearly professional now at this stage, and and people are not willing to put their lives on hold for it anymore. Um, you know, for very little or, you know, for the chance maybe to be successful. And, you know, when we were, I, I hate going back to when we were hurling, but when we were, you know, in the height of the dominance, you know, you were nearly guaranteed to be in an All-Ireland final or win an All-Ireland. And that's just not there anymore. And, you know, I, I genuinely think people see the effort and the commitment that's involved and, you know, they're, they're not willing to put their lives on hold anymore and they're just... They just don't want to put in the effort. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's an element too. To to finish up on, how how do you see this panning out? Obviously, Brian is there this year. Um, you know, he's your own club man. So I know you're obviously going to take his side and rightly so, because uh, listen, it's the same a little bit with Mickey Hart and Tyrone. You, Jesus, you have to be respectful to these managers, but you also have to have a conversation around, you know, what happens or can they stay forever? How do you see it ending? Because to mention the Tyrone example, Mickey Hart ended up having to be pushed out which is a terrible way to end. Like, I mean, do you see Brian sitting down himself and going, I've, I've enough of it? Or do you see Brian sticking at this for another three, four, five years where it might come to a point where, you know, the county has to make a terrible decision and, you know, do what happened to Mickey Hart? Yeah, look, to be honest, me knowing Brian, I'd say, you know, he'll stay going as long as he thinks he can do a job. He'll stay going and, like... He won't be worried about, you know, if the county board have to push him out. That that'll be the last thing on his mind. And you know, he right. doesn't care what anybody else thinks. If he thinks he's he's doing the right thing, he'll do the right thing. And and do you know what? I I think that's a good. It's a good. It's a good headspace to be in. And it's a good way to be because if you if you continually worry about other people, um, you know, you're not going to be happy with yourself. And I think Brian, uh, realizes that, um. And I think he'll stay going as long as he thinks he can offer something. He'll stay going, and you know that won't be that won't be in the forefront of his mind at all. But look, um, he'll definitely freshen things up this year, I think. Uh, and uh, you know he has done that over the last couple of years when things haven't haven't been going as well. But look, I think we're we've been spoiled in Kilkenny over the last fifteen twenty years with all Ireland successes, as you said. You know these still are Leinster champions. They they pull Leinster out out of the bag when. You know, nobody thought they were going to win. Even down to the last ten minutes, you didn't think they were going to win that. And you know, so there is silverware there. Um, he he do, definitely does need to freshen things up, and I think he will. You know, and I think he'll 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 try and drag what he can out of the players and, and try and push them to their limits this year. And um, you know, I know from when we used to lose games, you know, he was hell bent on getting getting back to being you know, a force and things like that. And he will do that. I know he will, because I know him. Um, whether the, the players choose to buy into it now that he is ratified, you know, is another question. And I think we'll only see that when the championship starts. But hopefully, look, 
he's there for another year. Hopefully the players will buy into it. They'll give everything they can and, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens then next year. Okay, brilliant stuff, Owen. Thanks very much for that. All right, Willie. Mind yourself. Yeah, great stuff from Owen there. We'll see how that uh, pans out. Um, there's no smoke without fire, um, as the saying goes. Another bit of news, uh, Connor, is Paddy Andrews uh, retired. Um, he played corner back back in 2009 and then turned himself into a brilliant forward. Well, I think he was a brilliant forward. It was just maybe Pat Gilroy saw something in him to put him corner back. He was marking the gooch back mm. in, the, I think, during the start, for the Startled Earwigs um, year. Like a, like a brilliantly accurate player, not the fastest player in the, in, in the world, but deadly accurate and had a bit of a grow for playing against Mayo as well. Yeah, he really did. You, you said not the fastest one. He, yeah, he wasn't a slouch either, but he just, um, he was real kind of uh, barrel-chested, real kind of physical player as well. And he, um, he, he like to me, he made he made a difference for Dublin in in big games when it really counted. And a lot of those were against Mayo. Like I remember, I think he got man the match in the uh, 2015 semi-final uh, replay. Yeah, that was his best game. I think he got five points from playing that game. And then something I remember as well, just thinking back today, was how he made a big impression in the 2016 final when it hadn't been going very well for for Dublin like of all the of all the players that um you know Mayo had largely kept the, the Dublin forward line quiet but but Andrews definitely stepped up and kicked a couple of points and and just from a Mayo point of view like he wouldn't be and this probably applied to a lot of other teams as well is that like he mightn't necessarily have been the first or second or even third player that opposition teams would look to when they're getting their matchups. You know, they probably think Jeremy Ken Jeremy Connolly, maybe Kieran Kilkenny and, and back when he was playing Bernard Brogan as well. But then, you know, teams like Mayo then were you know were, were left to rue that because if if you don't pay enough attention to him, he'll he'll do damage. So listen, a really, really, really good servant for Dublin. It's I like it's it's impossible to remember him as a cornerback, to be honest. But like playing playing against playing cornerback against the Gooch in that game would turn any man against cornerback for life. So um, yeah, great career for for Paddy, and congratulations to him. Very, yeah, very good career. He had a very good understanding with Bernard Brogan. They'd be good mates. So he'd be pals with um, Alan Brogan as well. He had a good understanding when he played inside with Bernard. Bernard would generally let him on out ahead of him to win some sort of ball, and then Bernard would be getting it close to goal. So he was a good foil uh, for Bernard. Yeah, and just kind of went there, went about his business very quietly. And, you know, there'd be no huge headlines that he's retired, but a very nice fella as well. So, like, I mean, I suppose he had been frozen out the last couple of seasons. So the writing was on the wall um, pretty much uh, for him when when Desi wasn't really giving him much of a look in after him falling out of favour a little bit towards the end of uh, Jim's um, tenure. Um, Another bit of news. David Power had an interview this week I was reading. I just thought it was an interesting comment for him. Speaking total sense. So Tipperary won their first provincial title in 85 years, first Munster title um, in 85 years this year, as we all know. And David Power must have been asked about this, but he thinks the provincials should be scrapped. So I was like, yeah. Do do you know what this kind of reminded me of? It it reminded me of a manager on the sideline watching a player having a stinker and then he kicks a great point and decides to leave him on and he continues to have the stinker. You know, like I always, I always remember, you know, you, you could be looking across to the sideline and oh, do, Mick O'Dwyer would be a great one. If you kicked a point, then you'd be, you'd be you'd, you you're know, back. that you're back. You're back in the mix again. So everything, everything shit you did before this point, geez, he's, he's getting going now. So it's like David Power, you know, Tipperary having no chance in Munster. They eventually win one. 
but he's not falling for that. He knows he wants actually a Champions League uh, format. I don't know where he's going with the Champions League format because that's not one of the the three options the Football Review Committee came up with. So maybe he's thinking in 10 years' time, we will have a new structure, not this year, next year, or we might have the status quo, but I would I would imagine it's moving towards uh, uh, a new structure. So look, I just thought it was interesting that he's happy for the champion or for the provincial system to be scrapped. It's like a it's like a GA manager bingo with the Champions League style format. You know, you take a drink any time a any time a, a GA manager mentions it. He's certainly not the first. He probably won't be the last, even though it's not going to happen anytime soon. But when you hear when like surely the guy who's just led his county. Um, to to a first provincial championship in eighty five years is likely to be the biggest advocate. So it's good for for those of us who who kind of want a want an end to provincial system. When you hear somebody like David Power speak such sense and say you know that um, that it's right to go, like it's it's mad how the narrative changed so much this year. Like after Tip won and after Cavan won, you know there was a lot of people saying, "Oh, geez, this is brilliant. We should go back to provincial yeah. championships." And then how how quickly that changed when we realised how one-sided the semi-finals were and how you could see the continuing Dublin domination realise that the system is broken. Like, you know, there's there's a reason Tip went, hadn't won it for, 20, for 85 years or Cavan hadn't won it for 23 years. Like, the this championship will continue to throw up some brilliant stories, but they'll only be, you know, what you should be looking instead at continued development and gradual improvement for these counties playing against playing against counties of a similar level to let them kind of improve that way. So it's just, it's... um. It's nice to hear somebody um, like David Power, who has been who has benefited from the provincial system as, as as recently as a couple of months ago, speak sense about how the championship should really be structured. Uh, going yeah, forward. yeah, and the bigger picture. And the Ulster GA secretary Brian McAvoy, um, he's been in the news this week. He's warned against adopting any championship structure which would remove the link between the provincial championships and the All Ireland series. So he's. <laughs> These fantastic provincial championships, like if they're fantastic championships, well then separating from the All-Ireland should you should pose you no fear whatsoever if they're fantastic championships and everybody loves them. Like, I mean, they shouldn't need that lifeline of being linked to the All-Ireland. Like, I mean, there's no doubt about that. They're completely unfair. The, every team doesn't start at the same time. Look, we talked about this loads of times, but he is, he is adamant that they should be connected to the All-Ireland and mess up the All-Ireland just to keep them alive. It's the greatest load of nonsense um, I've ever heard. But anyways, let Brian, it doesn't surprise me. This is the Ulster Championship and the Munster Championship will be the biggest obstacle in in trying to separate the provincials because, you know, they think they're so fantastic when they might not be as fantastic um, <laughs> as, as they think they are. Did you Have you seen Bernard Flynn's backroom team? I have. Oh, my God. This has to be the greatest backroom team in the history of the under-20 competition and the under-21 competition. You know, far be it from the time I was an underage player and we had some very good underage teams where you'd have a, an out-stock manager and two selectors who said their bit in the dressing room before you go out to, to, to a match. Now, now, Bernard Flynn, for anyone who hasn't seen it, Bernard Flynn is the manager. Graham Geraghty, Graham Riley... Peter Leahy, who's left the Mayo Ladies uh, to train the Mead under-21s. Shane Supple, ex-Dublin uh, player. Shane Supple, he's involved with Mead under-20 teams. And Robbie Brennan, who won a, who won a county title with Kilmacoe Croaks. Like, I mean, have you ever seen anything like this? No, not, certainly not at that underage level anyway, Willie. I mean, like you're talking about, you'd say, what, three of the best Mead forwards from the last 40 years? Because you have, you have to go back to Bernard Flynn's era as well. Graham Garrity and obviously Graham Riley for for more current era, and then Peter Lee, who's certainly been 
well, he certainly did good things with it. There was like with albeit with a bit of controversy in Mayo. Um, Shane Supple steeped in in both soccer and and GA. And uh, and and Robbie Brennan obviously has his, his reputation as well. I mean, like certainly with with Bernard Flynn, Graham Riley, and uh, Graham Garrity, like there's all steeped in traditional mead football as well. And you'd imagine those values won't be lost on on the players under their care. But impressive as it looks, um, Bully, this was I, I was reading that this was one of the last management teams in the country to be um, to be put together, and there was concern, you know, in in the weeks leading up to it that. That Mead needed to get their act together. I don't know had they like an SNC coach hired, had they you know plans put in place for the year and stuff like that. So, like obviously on the face of it, it, it looks it looks fantastic. But they um they haven't an awful lot of now we're talking about the season getting put back, but they haven't an awful lot of time to um to get their plans in place because I think we're looking at March when the under twenties is going to is going to start. But the the crop they're dealing with won the Leinster I think in in twenty eighteen. So. So they they've that on their side as well. So so certainly um certainly all the more reason to be keeping tabs on on what's going on in Meath this year. Yeah, no, definitely is another bit of news is Cahir Healy has left Portleash. I'm absolutely disgusted with Cahir Healy. Um, I think transferring away from your own club is absolutely disgraceful, and he is using a commute as an excuse. Like who would go to those depths of doing that? Um, I'm joking, obviously, because I've done that. Yeah, I'm not looking at you here, Willie. I can't see what your face is like when you're saying all this. <laughs> well, Carr, incredibly, has been commuting from London to Port Leash to play with Port Leash and Leash for the last 10 years. Um, absolutely beyond belief commitment um, for Cahir and you know nobody would begrudge him relaxing for the last two two, two or three years knowing his injury uh, record it mightn't even be two or three years um, so he's transferred to a London club I don't know who the London club is yet to be honest with you but the the I'd imagine he'll play with London as well like I mean I don't see why he wouldn't I'm not sure whether Dale will be um, involved um, in the championship this year so so maybe not but like I mean 10 years Connor, and I used to whinge and moan about driving down from Dublin to to, to Port Leash for Leash training and I, whinge I did <laughs> yeah, you, whinge you certainly did and haven't we all heard about it Willie um, <laughs> but in fairness yeah Cara's been an unbelievable sir. We, we, like he's, he's you've obviously spoken to him on the show loads of times as well and, and he's come up in conversation uh, because of because of the commute and the, 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 the best thing or one of the best things that I liked about Cara's attitude to it was like in complete contra- contrast to you he very rarely winced and it, like he I like I remember him being asked about it and like you know has it taken a toll and stuff like that and he's got a family over in London as well yeah. and he like, just talking about having the time of his life and how much he's he, kind of he's enjoyed coming back to play for Port Leach and stuff like that so um you were blessed to have um such a good servant for so long who who wasn't whinging about uh the 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 um how how much it took for him to play for Port Leash for so long as well. So yeah, fair play to him. And, and you say, you know, a, you know, a couple of years in London. Just judging by what I've seen of Carr, it could be a lot longer than that. And just thinking back to the thing he did during the summer as well, where he was scoring a point with wasn't he scoring a point with the football and the hurlet at either end oh, yeah. to raise money as well. So I'd say that uh, whatever club he is, he is going to will will definitely feel the benefit, and hopefully he's around for a few more years yet. Oh no, there definitely will. Like I mean, some crazy stuff out of him. Like I mean, I remember talking to him after a county final win, and he was sitting in the departures lounge on the Sunday night. You know, like I mean, that that kind of commitment. Come home, win a county title. He's a teacher in London and had to be back into work, and he's getting ready in the departures lounge. Somebody gave him a lift up. God help the poor chap from Port Leash after winning the county title. They had to drive him up. Whatever about having to go up. Imagine getting stuck to actually. 
actually have to drive him up. But like, I mean, just unbelievable commitment. He said um, after, or said during the week, I think he was on Game On on RT, he said that I was 10 years at it this year. Because there were so many younger lads coming on, they wouldn't have known me before I went to London. For the first five or six years, I still felt very much part of it. The guys my own age were still playing. And that's always a case for a lot of players. Like, I mean, the first five or six years, it's all his age group and all his friends and he can come and go. And then for the last three or four years, there's a lot of new players who wouldn't know Carr from Adam. And then he's just landing back every now and then and maybe feels a little bit disconnected because it's not it's not hard to get forgotten within your club. I remember... I'm laughing at this. I was up at intermediate training one night and um, an ex-manager of mine says, Wooly, here, how's it going? I says, well, all right. And he says, come in, will you come in and talk to the under 12s? And I went, ah, come on. And he says, come on in, come on in. So I went in with him anyways with the Polish under 12. It was under 12 or 14. And I went in with him anyways and they're all looking at me. And he says, he says, he'd be a bit of a character now. Niall Tully is his name. And he says, do you know who this man is? He looked around to the dressing room, all the young lads. And I was just, I was just standing there. And nobody said, no one said anything. And he said it again. Come on now, don't be shy. Who's, you know, do any of you know who this lad is? And I, I, I actually, from memory, I, none of them knew who I was. And then, like, at first I was a little bit put out by it. And then I realized these lads, I'm 42, these lads are 12. Like, they never would have seen me playing with Port Leash. Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's very, it's very easy to be forgotten about even in your own club, it's just when I, when I heard Cahar saying that, that, you know, as new lads came in, they didn't really know him. Uh, did, did somebody in the other 12 team not put up their hand, Bully, and say, is that the guy from the music video for Cheddar Plunkett's Brothers Band? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's, that guy, he's that guy from GA Jackass. <laughs> that, that's it, yeah. It's very relatable, Bully, and like, very relatable. I, I like, even like personally, like, I think uh, I was, I was the oldest guy on the Catch Em Up panel by, by, three and a half or four years this year do you know what I mean it's just all the all the lads are all the lads are great but it's different when you're when you're playing with a generation that aren't your own have and you're used to playing with a generation that are your own for years and that's me that's me you know living in Kelchma commuting from Dublin the odd time never mind having to commute to London back and forth so you can you can definitely relate to how um how Carr is feeling on, on that score as well but uh I bet you if, if he was to if he was to speak to the under 12 team they might a few of them might know who he is compared to the old lad that, uh, that turned up a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, imagine what they thought it was. Just some old lad pulled in off the street, like no clue who I was at all. I was going to I was going to give them a history of what I won for Port Leash back in the day. I was, I was so annoyed about this. Anyways, um, last bit of news here, uh, Connor, And I want you to spill the beans on this because there's three of the Mayo backroom team. Um, and this is pure Jose Mourinho. Listen, you have to follow the rules. They snuck into to Croke Park illegally. Right. So now the Mayo senior management unbelievably has disassociated themselves with this and they have said we don't have anything to do with three of our backroom teams sneaking into Croke Park. Nothing to do with us. Absolute nonsense. Um, it's been described as a covert method of entry. Um, any idea? On, I tried to find out how they snuck in, actually. They were caught on camera, but <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't find out how they actually did it. This is just absolutely despicable. And, and everything that's going on in the world, Connor, you have three pups trying to sneak into Croke Park to gain an extra advantage. And now you'll have Dr. David Hickey laughing at the good of this. These tragic losers tried to cheat and they couldn't even win. Yeah, like I was feeling bad enough. <laughs> I was feeling bad enough about Mayo with like losing the final and then four retirements, and this comes on, and you know, it's like, oh, this, this. could there be a worse time for Mayo at the moment? Well, the truth is, I don't know who it was. Um, 
But like, even if I did, what do they say in love, hate? There's always rats. You won't find one here. I, I'm not going to be grassing up. Uh, on, on <laughs> all, I will say, all I will say is that I checked. Um, so, you know, there's pictures of uh, the, the from the program of the backroom teams for, for all the all Ireland finals. So I checked the Mayo one there um, just a bit earlier this morning. So there was 18 people on the Mayo backroom team, uh, in, that's including uh, James Horn. So 12 of them were allowed in. Uh, so there's 40 people allowed, 26 players, 12 backroom team, two county board officials. So 12 of them were allowed in. So there's six of the backroom team that didn't get in. So um, so three of them decided they weren't allowed in. So three of them decided to go and three of them didn't. And uh, one of those 18, uh, Woolly, was, uh, I don't know if you know, was um, was Jerk Cafferkey, who's who's down as Mayo's values and behaviours coach. So <laughs> I don't think... All I can suggest is that he he wouldn't have been one of them because that would that would fly in the face of, of everything he believes in. As, as <laughs> I don't think he was a vital part of the match day uh, squad either. Like, I don't think he'll be given a value speech maybe at halftime. Um, but it, no, listen, I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, that's just that's just silly stuff as well. Like, I mean, there's no point in saying anything else. How, who's that important? Like, I, I don't know. So have you narrowed down to six then and what the roles are that, that didn't get in? No, I haven't narrowed down to six. I'm just saying that there's, well, you could, I didn't do it personally, but you could if you looked at the backroom team. You'd imagine, well, if you, if, you, if you even watch footage back, you'd see obviously James Horan, James Burke, Kieran McDonald, the physio, the doctor. Um, they're, they're obviously all listed. So it wouldn't take you long to kind of start crossing off names and start kind of... Um, start narrowing down who the who the culprits might be but listen as I said Willie I'm no rat I'm no grass yeah well that's it I was going to say I was going to say poor research out of you but listen you don't want to be a rat and that's it like I mean you do have to go home to Kilshima I'll find it out don't worry and when I do I'm going to I'm going to publicly name these three uh, (laughs) covert enterers into Croke Park who were caught on on camera unless it was I'm just trying to speculate unless it was some video analysis person that you know, had a very, very important role and used to feed some information down to James Horn. Like, you'd imagine if they were that important, someone else could be dropped for them. I don't know. Like, I mean... Yeah, the only thing is, well, they're getting suspended now for three months as well. And listen... The, three months suspensions, yeah. yeah. That, I think that takes effect from the um, from the start of the league as well. So, like, that they're going to be... If the season progresses as planned, they'll miss a large chunk of it. So, and if the, if the suspension is honoured, they like, James Horn is probably going to have to look, look at people... Um, to get him to replace them, but then maybe you could if if you could suggest that if he already has twelve backroom team that he he's you know he'll he'll have plenty to to keep him take him over for the league eventually. But uh, no, they've been suspended; they haven't been named. But again, you can do your research, but uh, I'm not going to be naming them here anyway. Well, we, you could uh, you could hope that it, the suspensions will start from the start of the league, but in true GA fashion, it probably starts from the the day of the All Ireland final, which means, <laughs> which means they'll miss absolutely nothing. Right, we're talking enough nonsense about that. We'll come back with uh, Shane Enright interview. anymore me and him were like best friends when, when we played you know he's seen the light of Jesus and uh, I'm still like fighting the devil you know <laughs> <laughs> the dog days are over the dog days are done the horses are coming so you better run run fast for your mother run fast for your father run for your children for your sisters and brothers leave all your love in your love 
All right, so this is the off-season. has seen plenty of retirements, and one of those is Kerry All-Star Shane Enright, and he joins us on the line now. Um, first of all, I suppose when you retire, Shane, everyone says congrats on your career. There's not You don't know whether to say congratulations or, you know, commiserations on, on retiring. How, do, how What are people saying to you? Yeah, I suppose I got a lot of texts and congrats. Um, look, I suppose I got 10 good years with Kerry, and I'm happy with that, and I'm happy with my decision. So um, I suppose, yeah, look, I'm happy to go at this, at this stage. Well, well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I suppose it's easy for you now having retired because there's nothing starting back up. So this is the easy part of retirement for you. The harder part will be when you have to watch Kerry for the first time in a long time watching matches that you're not involved in. Yeah, that's it, I suppose. They'll probably go back in February. It's gone back a small bit now. I won't be envious of that. The hard training they'll be doing then. Um, but we've seen them play in the games later on, especially when it comes to championship, I suppose, it'll be a bit tougher. But it's something you get used to, I suppose. And I suppose I look forward to playing with the club now for the year. I've played club football, I suppose, for the last 10 years, for a full year, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so like, I mean, you said after the Cork game I was reading, it was frustrating, I knew it was time to go. I was talking to Tommy Walsh on the way out, and I said to him that that was probably time for me. Is this a situation where you've fallen out of favour with uh, Peter Keane, and you have to go, or this is a decision after a couple of injuries where you kind of want to go? Um, look, I suppose it's my own decision to go. I probably could have stayed in the plans for another year if I, if I, if I chose to. But look, I suppose it was, but frustrating, like, in the league, I played four to five games, I had a bit of a knock for the Tyrone, I didn't play that, um, so I started four or the five games centre-back and played well enough, um, but I suppose after lockdown, it was six months later, I suppose, when I came back in, I thought I was still going okay, um, but never saw any game playing the two league games or in the championship game against Cork, so then it's frustrating, and you're 33 next year, kind of thinking, you know, like, if I'm not getting a game at the moment, where am I going, and, like, you put so much into it at the moment with gym work and so many, I suppose, everything is kind of looking after the body for the next session. Yeah. Um, if you're putting all the work into it, if you're not getting enough out of it, then I suppose it, it was time to go for me. So can you explain this? Because I was reading this that you're, well, I, I knew from watching Kerry that you were playing early in the game and whatever happened during the lockdown, when you came back, you'd gone out of favour. Like, have you any theory or did you get any feedback from the management, you know, about what, what had happened there? No, I didn't hear too much. Look, I suppose Peter Cole was coming back for injury too and he came in, he started and he was playing well. Um, so that was the kind of position I was playing as the back, but I probably didn't really get looked at centre back when I when I came back in after lockdown for whatever reason I was kind of back in the full back line, um, but look I didn't get too much feedback on it I don't know the reasoning I suppose look Peter and his selectors looked at games the club games or the club championship throughout the summer um, or when we came back after lockdown and look for whatever reason I suppose I didn't get the chance that I, I hope I get so that was part of the reasoning alright yeah right right because like he had been looking at you in the half back line not just centre back but you'd been wing back as well hadn't you whereas you were always like a tagger. Yeah, exactly. Joe, I was always kind of in the full-back line for my first eight years with Kerry. Uh, then when Peter came in, he was kind of saying he was playing me in the half-back line. Um, so I suppose after kind of playing well there in the, the league, I was hoping that I might have nailed down that spot. But then actually when I came back after after the break, I suppose I was back in the full-back line again, which was, which was which was a funny one. Like So it kind of made me question where I was kind of going as well, but you know. Right, right, right. With no kind of, you know, maybe vision of where you're going to be, kind of chopping and changing. Exactly. Well, look, I suppose every... Every football has to be a number of positions these days. Do you know whether it's yeah. full-back and half-back line? Do you know what I mean? I actually come on last year in the league against uh, Monaghan, blowing Clarny for the last 20 minutes midfield, which is someplace I'd never played before for Terry. But <laughs> I suppose it shows that the way the game is going. You've got half-backs who play in the half-hours, all that kind of thing. The way I suppose when people, or teams are getting in behind the ball and breaking forward quick. So every player's got to play in every position at the moment. But I suppose it was just frustrating that he kind of had said to me that, look, I would be in the half-back line. And then suddenly I was back in the full-back line and I wasn't going to look in. So, you know, it was... 
yeah, it was, I suppose, look, I wasn't, I wasn't too happy, I suppose, with, with that, like, because you're kind of being taught one thing and then, you know, you're getting put in a different position and, you know, you weren't seeing games then, so it was frustrating. Yeah, it kind of writings on the wall when these kind of things start happening to you, in my own experience, um, kind of definitely. In a, in a weird way, you mentioned bodies behind the wall. In a weird way, it was better off not playing that Cork game than playing it. You know, the way it was such a, like, it was a disaster for Kerry, really, Shane, if we're being honest, and very strange tactics from Kerry. I'm not sure if you can give us an insight into how, you decided to go away from what almost won you in All-Ireland last year, you know, to go to a more defensive style against a team that she should be more than confident of beating. Yeah, but look, I suppose as you said that, we probably did something similar in the two league games and it worked out very well. We still managed to score big scores in them league games and, and win comprehensively, do you know what I mean? We went on to win the league. Um, I suppose the night blowing cock, it, just, it wasn't a good day for football. It was hard to get men back and, and men to break fall quickly when... I saw it was a deluge of rain and the conditions weren't great and we still had chances. We probably should have won the game in normal time. We had three, four, five chances we'd normally score the boys brought the bar yeah. um, or a couple of goal chances. Do you know what I mean? And then if you go on and win that by your three or four points and it works out and joy, it kind of takes off from there. So I suppose, look, it was it was disappointing on the night but um, I suppose tactics, we won't blame that because that's kind of what we'd use in the league and it was working away. Like it's easy for people to come out after it and say, okay, the tactics were bad. But then two weeks earlier, they were saying, Jesus, that we were playing very well, you know, and it was the same yeah. kind of thing we were doing. So it was Jesus afterwards, you know but, what I mean? But I suppose, what was the thinking behind going more defensively this year? Even though, you know, you know, you won the league or you did well enough, why rip up the script that had served you so well playing some unbelievably, unbelievable attacking football the year before? Yeah, look, I don't know, you have to ask the management that. Um, I suppose, for whatever reason, the way the game has gone, they thought we had the forwards, you know, to... To, to win games and if we could actually keep the score down that we'd, we'd, we'd outscore uh, other teams with our forwards so it was I suppose about just getting a few men behind the ball and making sure we weren't conceding goals and stuff like that but look again like I said we'd have to, to ask managers and selectors about that Alright ah, okay no well I thought they might have explained to you you know why they were actually Well you know... we, we, we could see why ourselves you know what I mean like we didn't want to be conceding any you know, big scores if you can keep another team down to 12, 13, 14 points you'd be expecting to win a game um, but like I said then when you've got a, a day like that below Cork where the scoring is going to be low, then it's going to be a bit of a dogfight and unfortunately we go to the wrong side of it. Yeah, yeah. Because I suppose some people are pointing at Donny Buckley leaving, you know, to the change in style. I, w- I was wondering if you had any insight into Donny Buckley because he's meant to be a defensive coach and, you know, what what kind of value would he have brought to the to the setup? Yeah, look, Donny was brilliant. Uh, even when I was in 2011, uh, he was with Jack Connor. He's brilliant at what he does. Um, he's a great man for for a defender to go and talk to, he's got great experience. Um, and I know he's not the man, I know he'd be brilliant up there as well. Um, you know, he was great at your attacking drills, but he was, it wasn't just all defensive stuff. He was brilliant overall coach. He worked the forwards as well. Um, so yeah, look, he was a big loss to us. Um, yeah. but look, whatever happened there, we're not too sure. But um, yeah, look, he, he was a loss as well in the end. Um, but we still had Tommy Griffin and we had, we had like lads like that and Jason McGahan doing great work with us. So, so I, I don't think that was the problem at the end of the day. Right, right. Okay. Well, look, obviously the, the desperate weather um, obviously uh, fed into it as well. You mentioned 2011, Donny Buckley there. That was your first year with Kerry. It's fair to say you lot saw a lot of change to the panel um, in your 10 years, Shane. Like, I mean, legends dropping out and new players coming in. Yeah, that's true. I suppose that the whole panel has changed over the 10 years. Um, I suppose with the amount of minors, we won with four or five minors in a row that you're going to have a lot of them come true and they have done now. I suppose not to be left from that team in 2011. You probably have the, the David Mourns and uh, Peter Crowley's and a couple more but there aren't too many left now um, so I suppose it's the same as look at Dublin there their whole team has changed I think when they're in the 11 it's changed now to 2020 um, 
So I suppose that's it. It's, it's ten years, and a lot of the older players have gone on. And like you said, there was some brilliant players to play with, like the O'Shea's and Kieran Donahue's, Paul Galvin's, Declan Sullivan's. All these guys, you know, it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, it definitely was. And like, were you thinking when you went in in 2011? Because they obviously dominated along with Tyrone, you know, the noughties. You ended up with an All-Ireland, but I'm sure in 2011 you thought you'd probably win three or four. Yeah, I suppose. Look, we, we left a couple after us too. So we probably should have won that when we were yeah. four points up with 10 minutes to go. We made a couple of mistakes. Um, so that was one I suppose got away from was 2019 as well last year, or two years ago now, was um, when we probably should have won as well. Joe, if you look back at it, if you said to us that we'd be a point up against 14 men with only a few minutes to go, you think you're going to get over the line, especially if they got a mental after the first half. But look, just shows how good good uh, Dublin are and their experience ran through. Um, but I suppose, look, we have rather in the middle. We're unlucky, I suppose, to come along in the time where Dublin are so, so strong, you know, and I suppose they're not going to need a week at the moment. So I think for the next few years, they'll be strong still. That's the thing. I suppose Dublin just haven't dominated the whole decade. You know, you would have you would have won more, I suppose, had it not been just that outstanding Dublin team. Yeah, that's it. Looks we had some good games with them, but like unfortunately yeah. in my career we never actually beat Dublin Championship. But if you look back to the thirteen was a great game. We actually ended up losing by six or seven or eight points in the end, but with a minute to go, I'd say it was level. Um yeah. that was a great game of football. Thirteen sixteen we were probably a bit unlucky. We played well. Um I remember we were a point down with a couple of minutes to go on Peter Crowley. Got tackled with a frontal charge. Um I don't think the ref saw a properly he thought was shoulder to shoulder and they went down and got the the sick or a point to put them two up um, and they went down one again by two points but like uh, we think we've been cheating on the field at the time so there was a good chance if I would have kicked that from 40 yards you would have had a chance to win it but again look that's the way it goes look we're not trying to make yeah. excuses either that, that 16 game was the crazy game where you, you came up with these crazy tactics on Cluxton's kick out where all your players moved up maybe not you you might maybe one of the only ones who wouldn't have moved up yeah, the yeah we, 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 took, we had two or three back but uh, yeah <laughs> that was the plan that day of trying to Offset the kick out and it actually worked before half time. We got a couple yeah. of goals out of it and went in, I think, a few points up, yeah. Um, but looked for a place and they got back into it. And it, it was a great game of football, though, yeah. No, it definitely was. That was great drama, I remember. Cluxton, just before half time, things started going uh, 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 astray for him. I think he got two two goals just before half time. Um, it was great drama. I mentioned that Eamon Fitzmaurice had you as the man marker. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I suppose there was uh, some tough battles down through the years. Um, but it is, I suppose, you're testing yourself against the best, which is a great thing. Um, so, like, I marked the likes of Joe O'Connor McManus, Michael Murphy's, Andy Mourns, Paul Mannion's, Kieran Kikini's, these guys, you know, it was, it was brilliant. Like, uh, Brian Hurley's, you know, there were some great players. Um, and like I say, it was some great battles. But, like, you're there to kind of test yourself against the best and see what you can do. So, yeah, I was setting up with that. So, like, I mean, you, you know, as a cornerback, I know Eamon Fitzmaurice would be big into detail and stuff. Like, I mean, how much detail would you go into the fella you're going to mark? Like, I presume you'll, you're going to know his his good foot, his, you know, well, most of the lads you'd be marking at that elite level would have both feet. Like, what kind of well, detail would you... Yeah. What kind of detail um, would you yeah, be going we did, into? We did a bit of video work and stuff like that. So we would have been sent out videos, do you know what I mean? Maybe of a few a few players from the, the opposition players that you'd be marking, or you could be marking a few details to mark one player that you might have nine or ten clips that you could look at, which is great. Um, you kind of knew what they were going to do, but I suppose you don't want to go too much into that either because a lot of it come, comes off instinct, do you know what I mean? What you do at a, a given moment, do you know what I mean, to stop a fella um, of what way you want to mark yourself, whether it's in the front or beside him or behind him, whatever it is, do you know what I mean? I always try to mark maybe half a yard in front if I could. Um, yeah. Well, depending on who you're marking, if you're marking a bigger fella and the ball's been high, then you could be classed um, but I suppose it was down to that kind of. But like we did do a lot of work on on who you're marking, and do you know what I mean. You you got video clips and stuff like that, so you kind of knew what you're coming up against, right? Well, I suppose that marking just slightly from the front, 
is 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 a good tactic, but with the quality of balls some teams give in now, that can be a bit dangerous too because your man goes in behind you and it's the diagonal ball and that now has become risky. Yeah, but I suppose it's probably even more risky now to mark behind because, or even, even, by, even beside a fella because with the, the mark now, like a ball can just oh, yeah. 20, 25 yards in front and they'll catch the ball and it's it's nearly a point straight away. Do you know what I mean? So I suppose it's got tougher for a back. Um, as years have gone, especially with the new rule now with the mark, it is a bit tougher because you're saying, right, if I'm just a yard behind him and it's just a ball to his chest, it's probably going to be a point. So it's it's a little harder, I suppose, for defender these days, yeah. Yeah, you never got into the whole um, attacking cornerback uh, trend. No, not too much. I suppose that's over the last few years now. Yeah, um, I suppose when I started out, it was kind of more that you were you were doing your job at the back, and then, like you said, I for I suppose up till eighteen, I was kind of doing a man marking job, so you wouldn't have got far too much anyway. Um, but I suppose, look, like you say, if you're getting far that much, it's up to you to get back as well, and there's no point in trying to get forward, and then when you get back there, you're not at your best. Do you know what I mean? So no, I suppose. There's some there's some players like we've Thomas Sullivan now cornerback for us and he'd be flying up and down. Um, do you know what I mean? But I suppose he's got that pace, he's got that fitness to get back, do you know what I mean? So yeah. I kinda of worried about when I started out my job was to, to nail down a forward and that was kinda of what I kinda of stuck with. Well the whole idea of it now, isn't it, that it's like maybe I would have done when I played wing back, is that you're actually tiring your man out. Like I'm sure Thomas Sullivan is saying, I'm fitter than this lad. I'm gonna <laughs> run him now, he's gonna run after me. By the time we book it back down into our positions, he's gonna be breathing heavier than me. Yeah, that's true. But I suppose the cutest teams, what they'll do then is if Tom goes, they'll say right to the wing forward to drop back with him and leave the corner forward to stay inside. So then suddenly if Tom gets back and he's right in the corner forward and he's fresh, you know, it's a little tougher. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I suppose the better teams will have some kind of plan for that. Um, do you know what I mean? So you don't want your best forwards, I suppose, trying to get up and down the pitch that much because they're not going to be, like you said, they're going to be tired of getting back. Um, so I think the best teams will kind of manoeuvre that somewhere. Yeah, it's fair to say 2015 would have been your best year, right? You did a great job in Bernard Brogan um, yeah, in the 15, final and you got an all But uh, 15 I played well, yeah. 16 I was probably maybe slightly better, I thought. Um, but we, we lost in the semi-final left there, I suppose, to, the, to Dublin. Um, but yeah, 15 I was happy with as well. It was, it was a good year. Um, it was a poor final that year. Uh, I think if you told us that morning, we'd only see 12 points in Ireland final. You think you're definitely going to win it. But I suppose, like, again, there was a deluge of rain right beforehand and you know yourself, Cole Park, when it's when it's wet, it's very slippy, and it was a tough day for football. And we lost twelve nine. We probably had a chance for a goal when it was eleven nine with a few minutes to go. Um, but unfortunately, we I think we spilled it, and they came down with a point. And yeah, it was, it was a it was a disappointing loss actually. Yeah, no, it, it definitely was. Come here, I meant to ask you about the fallout from the Cork game because obviously you're finished and luckily enough for all of you, the pubs have been closed a good bit so you haven't had the lads in your ears because I was reading after the semi-final in 17 after uh, Andy Moran got a goal. Um, I think he got a goal in five off you. Your your poor mother was at the list all races and had to listen to some guff off some fella. Ah, yeah, look, we'll get that to be hard, I suppose. Look, the fans don't encourage our passionate. Um, we're not winning on Ireland. They're not too happy, but look, that's the way it goes. No, like you said, there hasn't been too much um, after the cock game because we haven't been out in the boat. I suppose we've all been kind of stuck at home, so maybe maybe we're slightly better off. But no, look, that's the way it goes. Look, we'll, we didn't take anything to heart in here. Right. Well, when Paddy called them animals, um, I suppose that's what he was talking, <laughs> what he was talking about. Well, I, I wouldn't go that far, no, but no. Gary's <laughs> supporters are brilliant. You know what I mean? They're behind us all the way, but I suppose, like every supporter, if they're not winning, they're not too happy. But look, you're always going to have your, your couple little come out and whatever will say there are a few words but look that's that's part and parcel, parcel of it 
Yeah, no, exactly. Come here to finish up. So you've marked all the best. You listed them out there earlier on in, in the interview. Conor McManus, Andy Moore, Michael Moore, Michael Murphy, Bernard Brogan, um, all these fellas. Who would you, who is the most difficult? Um, for myself personally, obviously, I found any more. I think on 17. I, I've always said, I don't know where I was that bit off or whether he was on it. I think a bit of both maybe, but he was brilliant that year. He ended up winning player of the year. I think he three points kicking the iron final after 20 minutes as well, but to be honest, the, the couple of days I marked him, the replays well, I couldn't get near him. He seemed to just—he was gone. I mean, he got the ball, but he was cute, you know. He was, I suppose, he was—he was a veteran at that stage, and he was a good man to kind of give you a bit of a shoulder off the ball, and he'd be gone, and he'd buy that couple of yards. Right. Um, so he was very, very good. And um, I've marked him as I suppose Conor McManus is brilliant as well. You could, you could mark Conor McManus for 60 minutes, and then in the last 10 minutes, you could get two or three points from. 40 or 50 yards out I mean he was just yeah. that kind of player he was brilliant as well and, and it's uh, funny and Andy Andy and Connor would be completely different you'd be running around after Andy flat out Connor mightn't move at all but could score more than Andy that's the thing like he could get it 55 yards out and you're saying right have a shot here but he put it over the bar I mean he was that accurate he was he was brilliant at that um, I met Kiyanka Kenny this year in the league I thought he was very good he was he was a, a very strong runner with the ball um, physically very very strong and a tough man to stop as well so yeah Max some good players Right. What about Clifford in training then? Yeah, or David's brilliant. Um, like David could do something. You'd say, Jesus Christ! I remember I was saying the last day in, a, in an article. Um, the first day I marked him, I said training was when he came in three years ago, and I, I, I'm going to say it was back. You know, because I always afterwards, but he went to hop the ball around me, but he actually ended up hopping through my legs, crossing the other side, and put it over the bar. So I was looking at him, saying, Jesus Christ! This but he never again did that. So I was saying it was lucky. And, uh, no, no, he's phenomenal. Look, he's, well, he's well, that would be. That would be the height of disrespect to a veteran at that stage. Exactly. I'm telling you. <laughs> but uh, no, look, he's got two good feet. He's big. He's strong. He's agile. He can turn. He can finish. Um, he's very clinical. So, yeah, I think he's going to be one of the top players in the country, definitely. Yeah, no, he definitely will. Come here, just to finish up, I know you're on your lunch break there. What are you going to do with your spare time now? Are you are you a golfer? Yeah, I play a bit of golf, right? I'm trying to get the handicap down. Oh, the thing, right? Um, because I wouldn't get to play too much. I suppose the last... Ten years with um with football, so yeah, I remember in Killarney. So when the golf club was up again, I'll try get out there. And like I said, I'll try and get back and play a bit of football uh, with Tabert. Um, I'll enjoy that, and I might play a small bit of soccer with Fire Rangers. I played soccer years back, so it's something I can, I suppose, try my hand at maybe small bit again as well. Kind of keep me fit when the football isn't there as well. Yeah, true. And you're allowed to have a hangover playing that level of soccer as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I go the pitch and have a hangover. Yeah. <laughs> Come here, Shane. Thanks very much for taking the call, and congrats on the career. Thanks for being Cheers. All right, great stuff from Shane there. That's it for today. We'll be back uh, next week uh, with another show. So we'll talk to everybody then. Good luck. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs>